0: Love is love is love on the Queer Family Podcast. Love is love. Yeah, yo, yo, yo. I'm back. I'm back. It's Jamie here in your ears with the Queer Family Podcast bonus episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, How are you all? I'm doing well. It is still so weird to be doing these intros all by myself. I feel like I should have somebody answering back to me. So now I'm just going to start answering back to myself. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help a girl out. She's starting to lose it. She's starting to lose it. So listen, if you haven't been listening these past two weeks, I have been releasing bonus episodes of past guests, archived episodes of the folks who are going to be coming in to help me in season 11 to introduce our new episodes. And I have one more for you today. But before I get to that, I just want to let y'all know that season 11 drops on Monday. Monday, season 11 drops, 11 freaking seasons, I can't even believe it's happened, but you know why it happened? Because all of you keep listening and you keep reaching out and you keep wanting to tell your stories, that's why it's freaking happening, but so season 11 drops Monday, it's a bomb episode, my good friend Teek, who you probably just listened to recently, comes in to help me with the intro for that one, and it's a really great episode, can't wait for you all to hear it, but before that, you have to get re-acclimated with my friend Liam, Liam was from Season 9, Episode 21, so not that long ago. The episode was titled Queer Conception. And in this episode, this is the episode description, Liam talks about their large, blended family, transitioning from she to they and starting testosterone, and their new book, Queer Conception, The Complete Fertility Guide for Queer and Trans Parents-to-Be. This episode was great. I learned a lot in it, and I think you all will, too. And Liam's out there... Doing the good work, doing the good work. Like this podcast is trying to do. Like so many of our guests try to do: change the system, get rid of old ways, normalize our families, our bodies, our lives. And I'm still working hard to do it. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna I'm gonna be real for a second. I I've been working really, really, really hard for this this rebrand. I got the new name. I got the new logo. I got the new website. Go to thequeerfamilypodcast.com. Check it out. I got the new theme song. It's all coming together beautifully. So many wonderful people have have gathered around me to help me with this. But I still some days have really rough days. Like I'm having a rough day right now thinking I'm doing all this, I'm doing all this. And it's not, what if it doesn't get the traction I want? What if we still can't get past this quote unquote niche world we're stuck in when it comes to mainstream media? And my Whole goal is to just get our families out there and normalize the shit out of them because we're fucking beautiful. And um, anyway, those are my thoughts. I it's like a roller coaster from day to day. I get afraid that it's not going to work out, and then other days I think this shit is bomb and we're going and we're doing it. And that's the roller coaster I'm on right now. And so I just wanted to I wanted to clue you all into it so you could have an idea of what's going on in my head, my crazy head. Um, but I to, I'm want to. i going to do an experiment right now with y'all. All of you who are, who are listening, and there's a lot of you, there's a lot of you listening right now, all of y'all who are listening, stop what you're doing, go into your podcast app, go into the review section, and write a positive review for this Lil' Hair podcast. I would be so happy. This is my experiment. I want to see how many positive reviews we get. Just from this episode, from me asking you to do that. And I know I ask you to do so much, but this is it. This is all I'm asking you to do this week. I promise, I promise. Except, you know, go see all the all the social media and um, um, and my new website, thequeerfamilypodcast.com. Okay, that's it. I gotta get off this thing because I've been talking too long and I need to bring Liam in, like, like Liam's actually here. But um, Helen's gonna roll this tape. We're gonna keep going. Tune in on Monday. Really wonderful episode coming at you. I can't wait to share it. I'm not gonna tell you anything about it, but just know... It's bomb AF. I don't even know why I'm speaking like like the kids today, because I'm not a kid and we all know it. Anyway, okay, Helen's telling me to shut up because this is too much. All right, Helen, please roll the tape. You, Beulah, you too. Yes, you can both press the button. That's fine. Just both press, <laughs> press the button, ladies. Okay. Love is, love is, love is, love. This episode is brought to you by Zolar. We thank you for making our show a possibility. Thank you, Zolar. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm excited. Hey, hey Jay.
1: Are you excited? I'm excited. I can barely contain myself.
0: Why are you excited, E?
1: Well, I'll tell you what you already know, but I'll tell you guys. America, <laughs> boom, 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 America, we're having a <laughs> live event. Oh, boom. Yes, we are. Yes. So mark your calendars for June 23rd, NYC Prides, the conference at New York Law School in Tribeca.
0: You guys, we are doing a live event For pride. This just came to us. It's very last minute. Boom. We are super excited, but you got to get your tickets ASAP ASAP. now because it's happening this week. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh my
1: my God. It's an annual symposium of transformative change makers in the queer community. That's us. It's a full day of powerful conversations, networking opportunities, interactive workshops, and a lot more. There's probably going to be merch and giveaways and stuff. All kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Our
0: our listeners. Queer people everywhere.
1: (laughs) Get a special discount. What's the fan
0: code, Jay? We made sure y'all could get a discount. Here's your code. It's OCT15. 15% 15 off all conference tickets. So you get 15% off. So if you're in the New York City area, you're coming here for Pride, you need to join us for our live event taping. Where should they go to get this information? Okay, so you guys are going to go to the events page on the nycpride.org website. Or Mm. you're going to click the link that we are posting all over social media, or the link in the show notes of this here episode. And then you're going to select your ticket type you're going to click register, and then you're going to enter your coupon code OCT15 on the next page. It's super exciting. I can't wait. I'm also slightly nervous that nobody will show up. So show up, y'all. Oh,
1: God. People are going to totally show up. You want to see us live? You actually want to see us, right? And have a conversation yeah. or ask questions and be a part of this live moment. Come talk to us. Be a part of this.
0: Before we talk about our guests, I want to tell you something, E. Tell me. I, for the first time. Oh, my gosh. Went to an actual barber barber. I needed to get my sides done. I needed to get my sides cleaned up. And I've never gone to a barber for that. I was really scary. Actually, I did go to the barber once when I was eight. Because I wanted to get my hair cut at the same place my brother got it. And the barber said, the only way I will cut your hair is if you agree to cut it like a boy. And I ruminated on it for like six months. And finally I said, okay, let's do it. And I cut my hair like a boy so that I could get my hair cut at the barber. But (laughs) that's a whole (laughs) other story.
1: Okay, first of all, I have to interject here and say it is super cute. Now, use you can't see Jay's hair right now, but it is dope as fuck. The fade to it. (laughs) Look, wait, no, no, no. Turn your head back to the side. Can you make sure you put this picture right here? Snap. Wait, I'm going to snap it. Go back. I'm going to take this picture. We're going to take this picture and you're going to see...
0: I don't know what to tell the barber because they talk in different words than I'm used to. You say So fade. I was like, well, that's what I said. I said, I don't know. I want to, you know, like, do this, you know, buzz the sides. um, And like, can you do like a fade kind of thing? Um, is that what, is that the right term? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, uh, you know, he's a man of very few words. Anyway.
1: Yeah. That it's it's happened. super cute.
0: I went to the barber and I feel super lesbian. And it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting in that chair like he knows I'm a fucking lesbian. <laughs> Wow.
1: Isn't that interesting <laughs> how our hair means mm-hmm. like lesbian for us? I yeah. also am very conscious of not having non queer hair. Like, mm. I want my hair to represent my queerness, and I work hard to make sure that it does. I don't
0: want to look non queer. Is that weird? You don't want to look basic. I don't, don't want to look basic. Yo,
1: I don't want to be a basic bitch. Isn't that what they nope. said?
0: <laughs> don't, no, I don't want to be a basic bitch. No basic bitch no. around here. I'm so We're sad. Just living that queer life. So, okay, let's do this. All right, Liam. This guest,
1: Liam. Mm. Liam Mm. is a parent of four, and as is usually the case with our families, they've Mm -hmm. got a pretty amazing story of how their family
0: came to be. Sure do. Liam has also been a licensed midwife for years, and they made it their goal to help and support members of our community realize their family dreams, which makes us love them even Even more. more. They even wrote a
1: book. That has way more science and expertise in it than some books. Than my
0: book? (laughs) I didn't want
1: to say that. It's called, (laughs) Liam's book is called Queer Conceptions, The Complete Fertility Guide for Queer and Trans Parents to Be. The book is tremendous. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Liam is Mm -hmm. great. Let's just bring Liam in because Liam can explain things way better than we ever can. And Liam doesn't ramble like we do either. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Helen is like, shut it and let's. Go. Your hair is basic and I don't care. I don't know. I just made her really New York. Okay. Roll the tape, Helen. Roll the tape, please. Thank you. Hi, Liam. Hi, Liam. Hi there. Nice to meet you. Yes. It's so good to be here. Great to be here with you both. It is wonderful to have you. We got a lot to talk about. I'm very excited. So before we get into anything, why don't we just jump right into that elevator pitch? Let's let our listeners know... Who you are, Liam, and why you're here.
1: I'm going to count you in. I don't even know any more languages, so I can't do it
0: anymore. So one,
1: two, three, action.
2: All right. I am Kristen Liam Colley. I'm going by Liam these days. A lot of people know me as Kristen Colley. I am a licensed midwife and fertility specialist. And my practice is built around queer and trans family building. and. Um, covers the entire uh childbearing process from thinking about having a baby conceiving through pregnancy and into early parenthood
0: love it Boom! you did it you did did it you know what you do for a living very well timing is everything yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) i also had this vibe just in meeting you i'm like I want Aaron and I to use Liam or to work with Liam in this baby process. Oh. I, I just instantly trust you. Your face, there's something so... You've heard this before. I'm not saying anything new. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it translates through the
2: computer. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, when I listen to your podcast, it's hard for me to listen to it because every, almost every family that comes on there, I'm like, oh, but they just need to know. They They need to mm. know this or that or... I could Mm -hmm. help them so much. Mm. Um, But, you know, it's something you recorded a long, long time ago. And a lot of people have already been through their process. But, you know, you hear these stories of the struggles that people go through Mm -hmm. and just the ways that our round families are trying to fit in the square hole of what is available mainstream Mm -hmm. around fertility and conception. And there's so much that's left out
0: yeah um, this so heteronormative I just, square, yes, yeah mold, yeah could you give an example of i I don't mean from our podcast, like, but can you give yeah. an example of something that you think, oh, they sh- if only they had known, you know what I mean? Mhm,
2: yep, um, sure. Here's an example. so you know, queer couple, they want to make a baby, they go into their local fertility clinic, and they have to pay for a bunch of lab tests that are not appropriate for somebody who has no infertility history, no concerns. um, And they're offered um, ultrasounds and trigger Mm -hmm. shots and medications Mm -hmm. that we're just now starting to get some actual literature that's designed around donor insemination populations that say that you do not increase your chances by starting with medication. Mm -hmm. And that the way that timing of insemination is done in an infertility clinic is either they tell you to pee on your OPK Mm -hmm. once a day and come in the day after you're positive for your insemination, Mm -hmm. um, or they're doing ultrasounds and a trigger shot. Mm -hmm. And both of those approaches can fail you. Um, The ultrasound and trigger shot, has the risk of having you inseminate too late because if your mm. body was just about to release that egg when you got your ultrasound, it's not going to wait because you got the shot. Right. Some people end up missing the whole cycle because the mm-hmm. day of their ultrasound, they go in and it's already happened. Hmm. So that's going to cost you time, going to cost you money. And even if they're just doing the OPK method and they tell you, you know, come in the day after you're positive. The egg only lives for 12 to 16 hours Mm -hmm. and when sperm have been frozen and they're placed inside the uterus, they only reliably live for maybe 24 hours, but their Mm -hmm. actual, you know, period of time when they're actually functional and could fertilize an egg is more like that 12 to 16 hour window that is the lifespan of the egg. So you're trying to hit a 12 hour window Mm -hmm. by testing your urine only every 24 hours And assuming that everybody ovulates 24 to 36 hours after they're positive, and it's not true. So this person who's gone into the clinic in an environment and an approach that's not even oriented towards their clinical situation, let alone their social situation of, you know, being a queer family. And then Mm -hmm. there's all these like straight white people on the walls.
0: All over. Uh, And the one token queer couple. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But also white.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so the way that I work with people to identify their ovulation, pinpoints ovulation within about 12 hours by Mm. um, things that you can observe on your own at home. Mm -hmm. And I've had a number of clients who were timing their inseminations way earlier than they ever would have been timed in a fertility clinic. And these folks are getting pregnant on first or second cycle and it's because we're following the timing that their own body has and i am positive that if these folks had gone in the next day to inseminate they wouldn't have gotten pregnant they would have thrown their money down the drain all however many cycles it took them to end up doing ivf and by then you're spending tens of thousands of dollars
1: the first doctor my ex and i went to we were doing the basal body temperature and, you know, we didn't have kits. We just had the thermometer and a little piece of paper, a little pad that we made up and we were writing everything down and his estimations just did not make sense with our tracking. And we kind of blew it off because we said, you know what? We're not doctors. Obviously, he knows something right. that I don't. But actuality, he didn't know. so we had we transferred mm-hmm. doctors because we were like. This feels wrong. Yeah. Something it we can't be this far away. Yeah. And we're testing everything, the cervical fluid and the we read everything. Mm-hmm. And it just and yeah. So
0: I want to say, Liam, you're you're touching on upon a, a theme that comes up with our families over and over and over again is the frustration that we go through when we go to these clinics and we're automatically treated like an infertile straight couple, which yeah. we are not. And so many couples have said that to us in this Mm -hmm. show. And also, I went through almost three years of infertility. Mm -hmm. And I think I needed you. I think you're right. I think that Mm -hmm. it was not timed right. They weren't listening to my body, Mm -hmm. which is like really freaking frustrating. But I didn't know any better. I didn't know.
1: And it's thousands of dollars
0: down the drain. I spent over $50,000 to make my... Eat more probably mm-hmm. through yeah. the three years. So, mm-hmm. everybody needs. So, th- anyway, the, the lesson in the Liam. story everybody needs I a mean, Liam.
1: <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, I'm like, can Liam come back every once oh in a while? God. And Liam, we just ask questions. We become our
0: in house. Um, we can take midwife. callers. We could take I'd callers. love that. I could oh do my it. Oh, God, that yeah. would be so
1: cool. Let's do
3: it. Hey, I'm Trevor Campbell, and you made me queer. Oh, I never get tired of saying that. I'm so excited because my podcast, You Made Me Queer, is back for its second season. Every episode, I invite a hilarious LGBTQIA plus guest to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. And I've had some very vindictive guests like the Great Canadian Baking Show's Colin Asuncion. She's like, FYI, I'm the only one here who knows how to read. CBC's Because News host, Gavin Crawford. Proudly wandering your me, like, yeah, it's our gang. The early modern Millie. The Post Podcast's Aaron Pym.
1: Early Disney, they were drawing women with dump
3: truck asses. RuPaul's Drag Race's Jinx Monsoon.
2: I remember being a little child and thinking, I would do
3: that. CBC's Chosen Family co-host, Trina Winter. Being an old soul means you're a deeply traumatized person. <laughs> and welcome to The Dollhouse and The Princess Diaries, Heather Matarazzo.
2: I mean, if he had a dick... <laughs> He could suck it.
3: new episodes are released every other thursday on the sonar network so put on your best powdered wig or whatever jury members wear nowadays and stop on by our house of justice where the ac is usually broken and the category is always red hot queer retribution subscribe wherever you get your podcasts until next time remember we're here we're queer and it's your fault
0: Before we go more into all your amazing information and facts that you have that I think we all need to learn and hear, I want to talk about your family because you also have four children. And I I would love to hear the story of how your family was formed.
2: Okay. Well, um, let's see. When I graduated from college, 1994, I was pregnant. Didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Didn't plan it. Oops. Oh, oops. Um, was not out yet, and I went through that pregnancy. And I would say, um, within about four months of being a new parent, you know, when you go through childbirth, at least for me, it was so deeply affirming about what my body could do. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was really the personal growth that I experienced through that process was just massive, mm-hmm. and of course when you become a parent, that's, that intersects with every aspect of identity you walk through the world with. So it didn't take me long in that process to realize, uh, I'm, I'm actually queer. Um, Uh and I was with my daughter's dad. So, you know, we, we'd made this baby We're we're staying together. We're doing this. And then by the time my kiddo was two, I was like, okay, I got to come out. Like Mm. this is, this is not, this is not working. Can't push it down anymore. Yeah. I had a, a, you know, what at the time felt like a very late coming out and, you know, you you live and you learn and you realize people come out at all different times in their life. So my experience as a parent of a young child was, you know, simultaneous with my coming out process. And Hmm. so her dad and I split and i decided to move out to seattle and go to midwifery school when she was five and by the time i was in my last year of midwifery school i met my ex-partner and she had three kids she had her kids had a little gap in age and mine fit right in there we were like the queer brady bunch where you know (laughs) it all fit together and um her kids had been conceived each child conceived differently. She had originally conceived our our oldest um, with two gay men. And then she had been partnered with somebody else and she and her ex had each carried a child. So Ah. the oldest has kind of, uh, I mean, one genetic donor, but had had two donor dads. Um, Two
0: donor dads and your ex and they uh co-parented together. And
2: and then, Ah. yeah, but then, uh, and then ultimately then her partner as well and wow. then my child um, that I gave birth to, um, you know, ended up with my ex, three new siblings, plus me, plus her dad, plus her dad's partner. Oh my god! And then the next kiddo, he he has he has me and and my ex and her ex. And then the youngest um, was conceived with a known donor. And within my first year, I mean. You know, we you hold it. So, like within the first year of our relationship, <laughs> when I was living there and had moved my entire family in, um, we came home one day and this guy's sleeping on our couch. And I mean, we had an open door policy, but yeah. um, her her known donor, who um, who she had chosen because he was a world traveler and like, you know, just peripheral involvement, he showed up at our house and he ended up living with us for like two or three years and remodeled our the kitchen. Youngest,
0: the, yeah, youngest the youngest. Yeah, the youngest donor. Don-
2: And that person is um, in my book who I I thank for putting me in a a boat off the coast of Alaska to start writing the book. Um, It's Mm. him. So we have this, like every kid has a different situation and they live all over the country now. The 30-year-old is in Portland. The 27-year-old is in Seattle. The 23-year-old is in DC. And the 21-year-old splits his time between uh, Maui and Wyoming. So, wow. um, yeah, you know, I had to get a cat so that somebody would need me to feed them.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, like how you have empty nest syndrome now. Yeah. Talk about new traditional family. Right? Yeah. Look at you. Breaking how them does old. everybody get along?
1: Or do oh you get together gosh. for big family yeah. holidays? Yeah, what, is,
0: what does Thanksgiving look like?
2: <laughs> oh, um, you know, it looks different year to year because the kids have so many parents. And right. so I do not envy, you know, it was hard enough for me with like, just my mom and dad had split, right? And mm-hmm. what do I do mm-hmm. around holidays? And my kids have so many parents. It's mm-hmm. like getting everybody together is is really difficult to do. And um, they are all so like, four individual human beings could not be more different. They're so <laughs> different from one another and each and every one of them um, so committed to each other as siblings.
0: I was um, just gonna ask that, yeah. that is magical. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and when Brad, our, our donor friend lived with us, the condition was like, yeah, we love you, you know, let's see how this works. But the, you know, main kind of ground rule was don't treat any of the kids any differently than you treat the one who biologically is connected to you. And he was completely down with that and just loved all of the kids equally and interacted with them. And, you know, I mean, yeah, my youngest was totally his doppelganger, you know, going around was like, Oh, there's a mini Brad. Um, but uh, you know, like that was that was very clear, but nobody calls him dad. You know, he's he's
0: Brad. Right. Yeah. Right. Even your youngest is yes. he's, he's just he's Brad. Yeah. That is I beautiful. have so many
2: questions.
1: It's gorgeous. Yeah. I just I don't even know where to I have one question. When you <laughs> came out, mm-hmm. this is my first of many, many. When you came out, were you going by were you using the pronouns they, them? Or is that something that mm. your beautiful large family had to walk through with you?
2: I was not using they, them. I've always identified as a mother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that time, we didn't even have the word non-binary. It was genderqueer.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. So,
2: yeah, I was definitely... Gender- we're in the same time.
1: Yeah. I'm 47 over here. So. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: Exactly. So that was the kind of label if somebody asked. Um, I mean, my kids either know me as mom or Kristen, right? Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of mama in there with the youngest. He was three when we got together, but um, mostly Kristen. I think I started using they, them a handful of years ago, maybe like five or six years ago. And um, I started testosterone about nine months ago, perimenopause, you know, had me in its grip and mm. everything I could read about perimenopause was so mm. feminized. I just couldn't see mm. myself reflected in it at all. Uh-huh. Um big plug for Heather Corinna's book, um, What Fresh Hell Is This?
1: Oh, I'm to <laughs> put that on the list.
2: Yeah, Heather is um non-binary and includes, I think it's like a two page spread on trans and non-binary menopause.
1: Awesome.
2: Yeah, like the only inclusive book out there about menopause. Wow. And she's fantastic.
1: Oh, uh, are wow. Sorry,
2: Heather is fantastic. They are fantastic.
1: I misgender myself because it's been 47 years plus, mm-hmm. you know, that I've had to pick one because there was only two choices and they just decided, hey, we're picking this one. Mm-hmm. So I am still adjusting and I've always felt like a mom mm-hmm. and a, a wife. So I'm learning mm-hmm. where it matters to me. Like, I don't like to be she'd, but sometimes I she myself and we're working yeah. on it. And I have patience because I've stopped. I don't know. And I would love to know, have you, did you feel a sense of, um, like you made jokes. I made a lot of jokes. Like my kid, we would make jokes. And I said, my, um, they, them, you know, they, them, it, <laughs> we laugh and mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, I got to stop making jokes. This mm-hmm. is literally not funny. And it is important to me. Mm-hmm. How was that process? Or did you, yeah, how was that process?
2: My kids are very much queer enculturated Mm -hmm. and, um, and one of my kids is trans and they've been surrounded by the type of work that I do and the type of work their other parent does, which is all around trans and queer stuff. And they Mm -hmm. were also older, right? right? My age range now is 21 to 30. So, you know, the kids were all old enough, you know, the, the kids are all right. Like yeah, they're the ones right. having like 60 gender markers on Facebook. And, <laughs> you know, my kids yeah. correct me just the other day. My I don't know what I remember what I was talking about. My daughter was like, mom, that was some binary thinking. What are you doing?
0: <laughs> 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 OK, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a process. And I think a takeaway for me here is it's not just a process for those of us who have to get used to someone else's pronouns changing and things like that. It's a process for the person going through it as well, because you have lived your entire life a certain way, mm-hmm. and you have to get used to that new self too. And it's constantly evolving as well, like we all mm-hmm. are.
1: And going through a sort of puberty because you said you just started tea. Mm-hmm. Nine months ago, are you okay? Tell me all about it. This is like a
0: kid in a candy shop. I feel like, what?
1: yes, it is because I want to start. I'm terrified, but it's because of the beard situation. Quick recap yeah. I really want a full. Beard so bad. And I'm afraid that my family's genes will make me have little spriggets. Oh, no. And I'll be just, yeah, I'm just so scared.
2: Oh, I hear you on that one. How are you feeling on the tea? Um, I feel great. And what I want to say is, you know, you don't just transition. It's Mm -hmm. like you come to awareness about parts of yourself that you had to put away or put Mm -hmm. aside
0: in order to function in the
2: world. And so it's not like you just, I mean, maybe some people do turn on a dime, but my experience is you're sorting it out,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it way, yet you're in relationship to people. And we have these things called words and pronouns. And so you're trying to navigate your own self-knowing and manifestation while at the same time communicating that to people that that you love or mm-hmm. even just that you meet. And so, you know, it's, it's really tricky. There's no right way to do it. But just remembering that it is a process and it takes as long as it takes and it starts where it starts and it ends where it ends. And- I think that's the part that's hard for me. The age thing,
1: because you said you're about to be 50 and you started T9 months ago. So that mm-hmm. puts you and I really close to a journey, right? Mm-hmm. And because- where are other of us that I don't know? I don't know. But I, you're here. So I feel like you're here for me. Thank you so much, Jamie. I'm Absolutely. Really <laughs> How do you reconcile some things at this age? Because the age thing,
2: uh huh. Mm,
1: tell me about it.
2: Well, my body was transitioning whether I liked it or not. Yeah. And I have walked through the world, perceived female, mostly when I was a little, little kid, I could pass and I loved it. And I cried the day that I realized I was getting boobs because Mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't going to be able to pass anymore and get, Mm -hmm. you know, get people to see me for who I am. So I just thought, well, I've, I've walked, you know, if I should live to be a hundred, then I've lived half my life being perceived primarily as female. So why the hell not? This is just a bag of skin and bones that I've only got for a few more years, and then I'm dead, so like mm-hmm. you know the like the kind of bodily integrity piece of it, and like as somebody who I went through a pregnancy, I was deeply transformed by the experience of giving birth. I found my power as a human being um, and obviously found my calling in the process as well, but I have a deep reverence for the body and for what bodies who can conceive and, and harbor and grow and give birth to new life. Like we're special, you know, we've got something pretty cool going on in these bodies that we were gifted and that's beyond gender, Mm. you know, but, but still you walk around in the body you were given and guess what? We have science and we have medicine and we can, we can utilize medicine to make our lives better. And I will tell you in answer to one of the questions you asked a minute ago, E., um, about what that was like for me starting testosterone, it was like this entire set of self-policing I was doing in order to fit in mm. with what was expected of me as a perceived female person. I could feel even just in the very, very beginning of it, like those guardrails are going are gonna to fall to the wayside and I'm not going to have to function that that way anymore. And even now, I haven't had, I am planning to have chest surgery, but I haven't yet. And this chest gives me away because it's sizable. Um, but just like if I'm wearing like big clothes and I've, I've got a lower voice and I reach out to shake somebody's hand and introduce myself as Liam, I'm perceived as male. And it is such a breath of fresh air. I mean, was, I mean there was also a piece of like, oh God, now I'm like perceived as being part of rape culture right right <laughs> right because oh, that's, that's a reckoning right
0: uh, right like right, oh yes. you
2: can't just take the parts of masculinity that feel affirming like right, there's a whole right. you know 49 percent of the population that have a different set of expectations in the world and a lot of it's really mm-hmm. shitty um right. oh i should watch my potty mouth i don't no, know what our can't. guidelines you are to, okay you don't have to you watch okay. <laughs>
0: any potty mouth you say so you know you it's a
2: it's a mixed bag you know, and like, they're probably like conversations I could have with somebody on the street, perceived female that I won't be able to have anymore.
0: Right. Um, Things change. You know, about, oh, yeah. about
2: motherhood or yeah. parenthood or sex or whatever. Like, right. I mean, y'all, y'all can tell. I'll, I'll dive deep and just talk to anybody about anything.
0: Today's episode is sponsored by Zoller. And so, E, I have to ask you. How are you and Aaron doing with that baby making?
1: Oh, listen, let me tell you. Uh, of course, you're gonna ask me that. Mm-hmm. We're still in the infancy stages. I <laughs> get it, infancy <laughs> stages.
0: But you know, she's ready. I'm old. You know, you are old. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean you can't make a cute little LGBTQ baby. That's the beauty of having two uterize. Uterus. Uteruses. Well, mine is
1: not uh, on the auction block anymore, but hers, no. absolutely.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. And you should use Zolar to do it. Zolar offers a most complete and comprehensive prenatal vitamin, which includes 300 milligrams of DHA, the active formula of folate, which is important, bioactive B vitamins, chromium, also important, lutein, and a whole lot more. That is all important stuff, I know, because I took a whole bunch of them when I was trying to get pregnant. It in is different important pills.
1: stuff. And we have very cute boxes and everything that Zola delivered to us that Erin has started popping the pills and those little cute... It's really well packaged. She has started taking their um, prenatal vitamins with DHA in it. So she seems happy and they don't seem difficult to take. So there's that.
0: Well... This is very exciting. We are going to make yet another baby oh on my it. Gosh. These could talk. Oh my gosh.
1: Oh, I can't breathe. I love that you're just asserting yourself into our business. And it, I'm happy about <laughs> it because I feel like you're a younger parent and you can hop in and do certain things that my knees just won't let me do anymore.
0: Right. Well, I don't know if I'm going to help you with that, but I <laughs> am invested now and we are going to make this happen. This well, is good.
1: I'm glad someone is invested and ready.
0: Okay. so guys, with Zola prenatal you can rest assured that you're providing you and your baby with the best you deserve.
1: Yep. And they have an offer that is exclusively for If These Ovaries Could Talk. Fans, listen, I'm sure some of you are out there in the baby-making process, right? So all you have to do is use code P-R-E-D-H-A-2-5. That's H Predha 2 5 on Zolar Prenatal, D-H-A, at Amazon.com at your checkout, and you will save 25% off your purchase. Come on, y'all. 25% off, ma- that's huge. Yeah,
0: it's true. And we're making so many babies. So many You're babies. You're just going to use code predha 25 on Zolar Prenatal, D-H-A, at Amazon.com. Check out for 25% off your purchase. It's Z-A-H-L-E-R is how you spell Zolar, by Zoller. the way. Boom
1: you said midwifery correct midwifery
2: is the correct pronunciation Mm
1: -hmm. it's a so gendered and i was gonna ask is that that an issue for you at times
2: you know i thought about that i thought long and hard about it a few years ago when i had a transition to my practice and the the meaning of the word is with women right and Mm -hmm. obviously the folks i'm with are not all women right um but midwifery as a not even just a profession but as a role among human communities and groupings we are we are social animals and we reproduce we procreate and right. midwives have existed throughout time around the world and you know you go to an international midwifery conference and there are just like most other countries, midwives care for pregnant folks. And that's just mm. how it is. It's mm-hmm. different here in the US. So I really believe in upholding what midwifery represents worldwide across cultures, but especially in the United States, midwives are marginalized. Mm. And, um, you know, even when you think about getting pregnant, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to go to the doctor. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? You know, you want to go to a surgeon. If you just needed a PAP or had a UTI, then that's like pretty much the same thing that you're doing. Like mm-hmm. there, there are care providers who are so much better suited to oh. uncomplicated clinical pictures and take the time and hold the space to hold the other aspects, the relational aspects, the personal growth aspects, the emotional aspects that uh, right. are not part of that clinical care. Mm -hmm. which also kind of goes back to your question too, Jamie about like, okay, so what's missing in -hmm. that fertility clinic model, you know, and it's that you're only receiving this clinical care, but you you don't just like, you don't just have a pregnancy. You have a baby.
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
2: And you don't just give birth. You become a parent. And so that's massive. So, so I have continued using the word midwife because I, I honor the profession while at the same time recognize that I am deeply marginalized within my profession. I just am holding space. I'm literally the placeholder for what I want midwifery to become and how mm-hmm. I'm hoping that queer and trans folks access midwives in their family building process because I think midwives have a ton to offer. And that's the other thing that I, that I do as a big part of my work is I, I train midwives. Do what I do.
1: That's one of the things that the African American community wasn't able to transition into the hospital system. And so it was part of our heritage Mm -hmm. to use midwifery until like the early part of the 70s. And then you see the mortality rates on African American parents. Yep. Yes, it's crazy. Yes. And now it's it's like getting the community back into it mm-hmm. because we left it. So this is awesome. Right.
2: Yeah. Just so you know, I am so I feel so strongly that we need more black midwives that I, I do a 50 percent discount for black oh. midwives to go through my my course because I just oh, wow. I just want to get it out. Get it out there. Yeah.
1: My That's wife amazing. wants to go into nursing. I found our midwife. She just walked in. By. Oh. <laughs> I have our midwife right here, just so you know. <laughs> she doesn't do camera. Sorry.
0: I also, I want to say I didn't know getting a midwife was an option when I. I mean, it when, probably
2: when, wasn't. There's not very many people who do what I do.
0: Well, I have a friend who gave birth the same time I did, but we, we went the same route we did with, with, when my wife got pregnant with our oldest, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. four years prior. Mm-hmm. And so we went the same route with me. We did the same exact thing. Right. But my friend who got pregnant at the same time as me used an all, a, a midwife service. Like it was. Oh, for the pregnancy, was, you mean? For the, preg- uh-huh. for the pregnancy and the birth yeah. and the. But yes, and I didn't know it was an option for getting pregnant either. So. Right, um, that's what I meant this is that a, very oh. few
2: people, very few midwives do conception, donor insemination. And those who do tend to just like, yeah, I'll do IUI for you, but they don't know what you actually need to know to really right. midwife somebody through the process. And that verb midwifing them through means caring for the clinical aspects and the non-clinical aspects. It's a it's a holistic model it's of holistic. care.
0: holistic. It yeah. should be holistic. Yeah. I thought I was going to be earth mama while I was pregnant and earth mama when I had a newborn. And no, none of the above, none of the <laughs> above. I needed help.
1: Doula, midwife. What's the difference?
2: A doula is a non-clinical care provider to become a doula. Gotcha. You take a weekend workshop right. and you can take more weekend workshops too, to, you know, okay. embellish your practice, to become a midwife. It is a graduate it's level involved. education. I was in school. I did a, I did part-time cause I was a single parent and I right. think I got through in four and a half years. That's not bad. As a midwife, I'm equipped to care for people throughout pregnancy, deliver their babies outside the hospital. So, I'm kind of the equivalent, you know, of an OBGYN where a doula is the equivalent of a massage therapist.
1: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Big difference. Big, huge difference. Yeah. You both have yeah. an experience that I have to tell you I covet. I did not get to push life out of myself or get it cut out or any kind of way I do. And I always have a moment of. <sighs> yeah. Well, you yeah. know. Yep. hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's um, it's ok. It's just a moment of I'm the minority wait. That mm-hmm. sounds crazy because now I just figured <laughs> that out right. I just ok. I'm I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's um, it's nice to be in the room and hear this because. I used to pretend that I was the one who gave birth to my son mm-hmm. when people would say, "Oh, how long were you in labor?" And if he wasn't around, would you lie I up? was like, "I was like, oh gosh, it was t- only ten hours. I really didn't <laughs> use drugs. I no epidural. Pushed that baby out. I took my ex wife's pregnancy story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I I made amends. I fixed it. I told the truth eventually, but yeah. I felt bad. Yeah, because I didn't have. I don't have a bio story.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing is everything in the you know in the broader culture is so organized around cis hetero couples Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. there's no place for a non-gestational parent.
0: Exactly. And so,
2: you know, you go into the medical appointments and they're talking to your partner the whole time. Nobody even looks at you, let alone asking how you feel about anything. And there's kind of no place for you in the doctor's office or in the culture. Like there's no blank for you on the, on the birth certificate form. You know, no. in some right. states it'll say parent, but you'll still get your birth certificate back and it'll say mother and father. That happened so, to right. me. Um, that's a huge part.
0: Yeah, they don't know that in many cases like ours, there's a loss. One yes. person yeah. might be very well dealing with a loss. I did. I'm a non bio and a mm-hmm. bio mom. Mm-hmm. I I'm definitely experienced that loss. I know that feeling. Yeah. And you're right, Liam. There's no space for that in this heteronormative world. Mm-hmm. There's no acknowledgement. It's not even on the radars. Why would they think anything of that? Right.
2: right. You know?
0: You're not providing um,
2: gametes, so...
0: Right. Chopped liver. Yeah. 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 Okay. I really think we could talk all night long about every single theme that comes up it's for true. our families. But here's the thing, and I think here's a promise. If, if Liam has time, we're bringing Liam back. We're going to figure Absolutely. out ways. If Liam has time... I really do want to bring you back, Liam, and, and have you as kind of one of our experts because I'd be yeah, so,
2: so dumb. Yeah, we
0: know. We know that we are not experts. <laughs> OK, so Liam, let's talk about this book. OK, yes. why did you write this book?
2: Well, as we have experienced in this conversation, there's a lot that people don't know, don't understand, mm-hmm. a lot of needs mm-hmm. that are unmet. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I just feel like I should apologize for taking so long to do it. <laughs> because i want people to to be held i want people to have the information they need i i want people to to not waste their money in models of care that don't serve them mm-hmm. and i want people to feel supported and affirmed and you know all along the process to have the non gestational parent spoken to mm-hmm. and and acknowledged as a vital member of the family and These are all things that, although we may struggle with it individually, collectively, they're things that we all know. And once we get in a room together, we just like, oh yeah, okay, there's shared experience here. And so we can have this conversation. So my goal in in writing this book was, you know, ultimately to make the world a better place and to, Mm -hmm. to raise the platform for what we expect for ourselves and mm. and what we expect from our care providers around conception and family building
0: this is exactly why this podcast was started this mm-hmm. is exactly why we wrote the book we wrote mm-hmm. because there was a void of these kinds yeah. of conversations anywhere
1: and they i got to say as the person on the other side of it mm-hmm. they save lives because yeah. i was almost not here because there was no information 12 years ago Mm -hmm. with how I was feeling when my then-wife was pregnant or gave birth. There was no information. And it was horrifying to feel like I was so broken and the only one with this journey. It just wasn't Mm -hmm. talked about. So this podcast, your book, the work you're doing in the world, I believe the work all three of us is doing Mm -hmm. in the world, is literally saving someone's life. We don't know who, we may never Right. But, right. And yeah, no information
0: and no affirmation. I want yeah, to amen. add that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is... Uh, okay, we're gonna let you talk, Liam. Just take, okay. yeah, take, I know, take right? the me. <laughs> this is so important. And I can't believe that we can count on one hand, maybe two hands, the amount of resources that are out there for us. Mm-hmm. Still. Yeah. Still. Right? Right. right. So. Take the floor, Liam. What do you want me to talk about?
1: I want you to be a call. Can we do a call-in? <laughs> One day we should do a call-in. Like, because I'm sure people have questions for Liam as well. Maybe writing your questions, folks. And when we have Liam back, we can answer some of the I'd love Liam to Liam can that. answer the questions. Writing question. your questions while idea. you're listening
0: to this episode and send them right over to ovariestalk at gmail.com. All right. And yes. we will bring Liam back. But okay, Liam, talk about your book. I
2: just love to hear you use my name over and over. Thank you.
0: <laughs> you're welcome you're so it's welcome. new and every time it's like you know gender euphoria <laughs> but you look
2: like liam to me you do look you. like liam thank you yeah i'm just sharing my trans joy with y'all
0: i love that <laughs> yay thank you i'm gonna cry so
2: okay what's the name of the book the name of the book is queer conception the love complete it. fertility guide for queer and trans parents to be
0: I love it. And that's a really great side yes. book to If These Overs Could Talk the Things We Learned About Making an LGBTQ family. Yep. It looks so
1: exciting. Can you hold it up? Yeah. Look at that. That's beautiful. It looks serious, but also like important and enough of the the maternal. I know I'm making a lot, but it looks like a book I would pick up. And that's
2: exciting to me. Good. And you can see I was mid-transition when I had to approve the cover. Right. And I didn't oh, know yeah. my, my given middle name starts with L. So I was like, well, I'll just put that in there. It'll still be my legal name. And maybe I'll just pick a name that starts with L. Because
0: it's and, your dead uh, name on the book.
2: Uh, I, I don't. Would you say I it's your dead name? I wouldn't name say or? it's a dead name. So many people know me as Kristen Colley. Mm-hmm. I mean, professionally. And I don't. It's Kristen is not a dead name to me yet. Maybe it will be. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm fine with all of it.
1: Okay, great. I love this so much. You're saying all the words because <laughs> Erica's not a dead name. Like, I yeah. don't get mad about yeah. it. It's just, like, I feel like there was little Erica. Uh-huh. And little Erica is great and got me to Big E, right? Like, yeah, now right? I get to be E. Exactly.
2: So, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cool. So um, the book is very much infused with my voice and kind of... Um, the things that you all have been kind of recognizing in um, how I speak, what I speak to, there's just so, so much at the core of the experience of what it is to become a parent. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: so that voice is infused throughout the book. And the other thing I should say is this book is inclusive of families um, who are using a surrogate. Mm -hmm. So like, gay dads, or for whatever reason, parents Mm -hmm. don't have the reproductive capacity. So this is not just all about donor insemination for folks who are carrying. This is any kind of queer family, Mm -hmm. you know, solo parents, poly parents. Chapter one is making decisions and creating a timeline. Even just that stage of the process. Some families spend years there Mm -hmm. of, you know, are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. All the different, you know, you get decision-making fatigue, before Mm, you ever even put sperm in your body. Mm -hmm. So in that decision-making chapter, I really speak to so much of what many of us are grappling with, with no guidance other than what Mm. we can stumble upon online. And, um, you know, obviously hearing other people's experiences like on your podcast, Mm -hmm. that's informative and important. And sometimes you just need it all laid out in front of you.
0: Yes, truly. And we also talk a lot about LGBTQ drafting, where you just take the person in your life who's done it before you, you do exactly yes, what they did.
2: Exactly. And a
0: lot of us in our community do that Yeah. because that's the blueprint we have and it worked. And so, okay, right. I'm going to do that. I'm walking that path. Yeah.
2: yeah. Somewhere in there, I think maybe the IVF chapter, I mentioned that. And like, you know, if you have friends who went to a certain clinic
1: mm-hmm. and you
2: want to go there because they did, be sure and ask other, you know, ask deeper questions. Like, how did it feel? Um, mm-hmm. to be in that clinic? Did you see images that reflected you? Mm. Um, were you misgendered? Was there anti-fat bias? Mm. Um, so like ask those questions because especially if you and your friend that you're, you know, modeling your path after don't share the same identity mm-hmm. um, or if right. you have different things about you, then you might be treated different than your their friend was. And, and totally. all of that is important. We need to expect more. So after the decision-making chapter, there's a chapter on fertile health for everybody. Mm. Um, So it goes through fertile health of, you know, people who are making eggs, people who are carrying pregnancies, people who are producing sperm.
0: And I appreciate Um, the language. Yeah.
2: It includes Mm -hmm. coming off of gender-affirming hormones to reclaim your fertile function in order to conceive. Mm. Um, There's a whole chapter on lab tests and fertility evaluations, so even right. if you're just seeing your family practice physician or whatever provider you have in your home community, you can, you know, take, take this information and say, "Will you order these tests for me. Right. Um, and also, or please, kind of, I
0: don't need that one.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yes. Um, there's a whole chapter on gamete ton- donors. Uh, so mm-hmm. we go into, you know, donor selection, known versus unknown.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, there's a chapter on surrogacy. And then there's a chapter on insemination methods and timing. And that chapter breaks down the methodology for identifying your ovulation within 12 hours. Mm. And um, it really just involves, you're using some of those same tools that y'all mm-hmm. mentioned earlier in our conversation. You still use the ovulation predictor kit, but you keep looking for your symptoms of uh, high estrogen after you get that, that surge in luteinizing hormone. Because you Mm. will continue to have symptoms of high estrogen until your egg leaves the ovary.
0: And can you say, what are some common estrogen symptoms? Yeah,
2: that's a great question. Um, Your fertile fluid, you know, when it's it's not fertile, it looks like some stage of Elmer's glue. And then Mm -hmm. once you're fertile you start to have fluid that is the quality of anything from watery to raw egg white nah, and that yeah. raw egg white may stretch. Yes. The cervix will also become soft and open and you can feel that with your fingers. It's hard to grow eyeballs in your fingertips as midwives. Yeah, that's something we have I've never
0: been able to do.
2: But it, if you do it consistently through the fertile phase for about two or three months consecutively, you know, because it only happens once a month, The changes are very subtle. So it usually takes people two or three months of tracking with their fingertips to understand those changes as they occur. But what makes it even easier and here's where people kind of get surprised. You can use a speculum at home on your own with a flashlight and a mirror and look at your cervix and oh, from I don't know that if I can do perspective that. i don't know if i can
0: do that myself <laughs> it's not i never thought about looking science. at my own i've never no. seen my isn't that crazy how many of us have actually ever seen our cervix i've never well, seen my cervix if you've
2: seen a midwife you probably have because we show people all the time
0: see i've never seen a midwife we should know these things
2: about our bodies we should be empowered should and central our in, looks like. yeah. in the process yes. and in your care yes and it is the mo- the changes in your cervix um your cervix mm. will be most open at ovulation time and then it'll mm-hmm. start closing it'll be most soft and there may be a position change so even just that opening of the cervix you can see it with your own eyes and mm. a lot of people are incredulous the first time they witness this change in their body they're like why didn't somebody teach this to me mm. when i was growing up why was this not in high school biology class this is a basic human body function.
0: Okay. So, so take us through some more.
2: Okay. Yep. Um, there's a chapter on troubleshooting and complicated conceptions. You know, mm. have you identified your best timing? Have you done all the labs? Have you paid attention to your fertile health and, and how you're living your life and, you know, treating your body every day? Because mm-hmm. these things have an impact on the endocrine system and therefore on the reproductive system. Um I wrote a whole chapter on IVF and the way that I organized it was um I wanted to explain to people what the steps were because I don't think that's usually explained in a way that people can really grok it but you know some people are queer and doing donor insemination or surrogacy or whatever and do have difficulty conceiving mm-hmm. and yeah. so I wanted to have something for those families too. Uh, the next one is Coping with cycle attempts. So it's a whole like how to get through this emotionally. There's a whole lot of Brene Brown in there um, and Sonia Renee Taylor. Nice. There's a chapter on miscarriage. I wanted to put that in its own chapter so people mm. could go oh, there good. if they need it and skip yes. it if they don't. And then um, I insisted on including uh, what's in chapter 11, even though really I wanted to make it a, a whole other book. I wanted to put something about pregnancy and lactation. Um, and, oh, and yeah. what that includes is the early weeks of pregnancy before, you know, before you can really establish care with a care provider. Mm-hmm. What I want people to know is um, folks who are inducing lactation, mm-hmm. whether you are a trans woman, mm-hmm. it's possible you can do it. Or if you were assigned Female at birth, and you're not carrying the pregnancy. You can also induce lactation, and I wanted that to be in this book as well because it's best if you start that lactation induction process uh, three to six months before the baby arrives. Yes. So I wanted yes. people to have this in their hands.
0: That's okay, really great. Now I'm know. done with That's my great. list
2: of chapters. Thank no, you. Yeah,
0: because <laughs> and we've spoken to numerous couples who have induced lactation. Yeah. Like when I say numerous, I mean like a, a small handful. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's something that every time it comes up, we, we, we try to glean as much info as we can Mm -hmm. from the person who did it, because like you said, it's, it's really hard to find the information on it. Um, and it's not for, for some
2: families, it's really emotionally complex Mm -hmm. to have that lactation induction happening. And I speak to that too.
0: I love it. I think that you have many new fans in, in this podcast. Absolutely. Um, because you're speaking, you're speaking our language. You're speaking all of our listeners language right now. And we really appreciate it. And we need more knowledgeable folks like you in our corner.
1: And we needed you. So thank you. Mm, You're welcome.
0: Before we sign off here, say the name of the book again, the author's name, the as is written on the book and, um, where we can find you, where everybody can find you if they want to follow you or. Okay. Be a part of your life. The name
2: of the book is Queer Conception, The Complete Fertility Guide for Queer and Trans Parents-to-Be by Kristen L. Colley, which will, um, in future reprints, it'll be Kristen Liam Colley is probably what I'll put on there. And uh, I am based in Seattle, Washington, but I do telehealth. So you can find my (sighs) practice um, at www.mayamidwifery.com and that's M-A-I-A. And midwifery is spelled M-I-D W-I-F-E-R-Y. And so what this means is you can go to my website. I can be your midwife no matter where you live. I can do everything but the IUI procedure Um, in terms of families who are conceiving via insemination. I can order labs anywhere in the US. I can meet with you give you you know guidance and and do your clinical preconception care and then i also run a pregnancy program specifically for queer and trans families there's a parallel program for solo parent families where you're able to get your education whether it's childbirth education lactation education pregnancy information um, while at the same time having live facilitated, I've been facilitating groups for 25 years. So I facilitate the groups. Um, I'm also training others to do what I do. So you, you show up at a group with a bunch of other families like yours um, on zoom. We are having these robust conversations. I mean, the, the way you hear me talking, like this is how we do in our groups. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, that goes all the way like monthly in the first part of your pregnancy. And then it's every other week. And then your baby arrives. We we share birth stories and then there's a weekly new parents group that meets. So everybody's like showing up at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning, you know, pumping or nursing or <laughs> bottle feeding and hopping up to change a diaper. And nobody slept last night and half the people's hair is all disheveled, uh, including mine. And uh, <laughs> not really. Um, I'm too I know. I was that. about to say, no, that no. I, didn't <laughs> sure. I bet you, can see me. you know my hair is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make sure it is. Uh but you know, I I may or may not have on sweatpants. So anyway, all that to say, um, this is you know, maybe maybe this is why I was raised in the Baptist church. Like I'm proselytizing <laughs> this stuff. Like I just want <laughs> I
0: want people to hear the good news.
2: <laughs> Woo, Come to the and light. we're gonna do everything we
1: can to make sure they hear the good <laughs> yeah, news.
0: Yeah. Oh my God, this has been really wonderful. Thank
1: you so thank much. You so thank much you so much so much
0: for having out.
2: me. I just I've really enjoyed my time with the two of you and. And I'd be happy to come back. Let's you're let's coming, talk more. You're, you're coming, totally back. coming
0: back. You're okay. coming back. Oh, Liam. Liam, Liam. Liam's so amazing. So much information, right? Like just a well of knowledge.
1: Yes. And in perfect time for some folks, house and never. I wish I knew about Liam 15 years ago. Yeah, I
0: mean, E, you were like a kid in a candy shop talking to E about. <laughs> The transition that was really wonderful to just witness your two's conversation and and how excited you were to talk to somebody who's been through it and like and who's on tea who's on tea and it was really wonderful to to watch that conversation and just see your excitement and see Liam feel you know like oh this is good I can help and it was just a nice moment and that's why this podcast exists so that people can be mirrored you know see themselves mirrored in these stories. So I'm just going to cry.
1: <laughs> oh, don't, don't cry. But I got to tell you the feeling of seeing connecting with another trans person and asking questions because they're we're all at different points of our mm-hmm. journey. And, you know, I had to be told that, yes, I'm part of the trans community because I didn't know that non-binary was part of the trans community. Yeah. I didn't
0: know. Yeah. Everybody needs to go out and get that book. You can check these show notes for this show here for a link or mm-hmm. just go straight to Liam's website, mayamidwifery.com. That's M-A-I-A, midwifery.com. Get the book. We need support all of us. This queer community, because we're doing good stuff in the world. I don't know. I just turned into Liza Minnelli. (laughs) I liked it. All right. right, Well, if y'all want to help us make this content for LGBTQ families, you can join our Patreon community and you can do just that. Mm -hmm. You're going to do a good thing and you're going to get bonus content. And at the gestational carrier level, you'll get video interviews of most episodes, which are what? Dropped. Dropped a day day early. 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 Boom, boom. Yes, so go ahead and head to our Patreon.com slash Ovaries Talk to join.
1: That's right. And don't forget, (laughs) Jay and Robin wrote a book, right? Y'all know about the book. It's a really great book. The book is called If These Ovaries Could Talk, The Things We've Learned About Making LGBTQ Family. Mm -hmm. And it's available at all major retailers and you should buy it. So if you want to buy it locally, go to IndieBound. Get the audiobook if you want Robin and Jay to read it to you at night. That's available <laughs> on Amazon, Amazon, iTunes. <laughs> if you get it, don't be afraid to review it on Amazon or Goodreads. Actually, do that. Review it on Amazon or Goodreads. Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: We also have all kinds of merch, and Pride is the perfect time to get it. So many designs, and you can put those designs on any product in the store t shirts, mugs, notebooks, face masks, laptop cases. You're just going to go to a link in bio on our Instagram page and you can get straight to the store or go to tpublic.com and type in ovaries if these ovaries could talk and we'll be there. We'll be there. Boom. Also, social media. Don't forget to get your tickets to our live event. It's happening June 23rd at NYC Prides, the conference. This is NYC Prides (laughs) annual symposium of transformative change makers in the queer community. And we are one of the very special guests. And our listeners get a special discount code to attend the conference. And our live taping, of course. Write it down. It's OCT 15 for 15% off all conference tickets. Go do that. You got to do that. It's really cool. Do it now. Um, and we just have to say thank you to our sponsor, Zolar. And a huge yes. thank you to all you Patreons who are helping us make this show. We really do thank you. And we apologize for rambling so much, but we just get excited when we're talking. Okay.
1: Should I say it? We say it together. One, two, three.
0: A Fridays. Oh, Freeze. Over.
1: Out if
0: these uh, uh,
2: ovaries could
1: talk,
0: they would say X
2: ovaries out.